Heavenly Father, we thank you <laughs> that this move that is spoke of is not something that's uh, foreign to you. It's not hoops that we have to jump through either in order to receive it, but it's a more of a matter of us acknowledging and recognizing you here and us being the move, us going from one place to the next. Lord, it may be a subtle move for so many people today. Uh, some are need to make major moves, but Lord, some just have to make a move and just say, I'm going to get up five minutes earlier, Lord. I want to seek you. I'm, I, every day I'm, I'm just going to find a way in order to spend time with you. I'm going I'm to say that you are the, the priority in my life. For others, it's lifting up their hand in a corporate worship setting. For some, it may be shouting. For some, it may be praying for someone whom they don't know that they meet out in the marketplace, in the public square. Lord, whatever it means for us to be the move, I pray, God, we will do it. Thank you, Lord, for working and moving, not giving up on us. Your word is true that says greater things. You desire that we would do greater things than even you did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time that we have to, to break the bread of life, to be able to receive your word, and to, for me to be able to expound upon it and find application within our lives. We give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. What a joy it is to be able to be here with you and to be answering, hopefully, questions that we have. There's been many people who's been in the house of God for a number of years or in the family of God. And, and many times, if you've been in the house of God, you've heard maybe a message or a, a theme of messages about maybe even what we're talking about here today. And as we talk about the characteristics and the attributes of God, it may be not new information for you. But I do have a question for you. How is it showing up in our lives? How is the realization of knowing God showing up in our lives? Because our, our, our vision statement for us as a church is that we'll be a real people. Say it with me. Serving a real God, making a real difference. And we can't do that without knowing God well. We can't do that without knowing about his attributes and what it really means for us. You know, there's a lot of people out there who's got a lot of head knowledge. A lot of people could tell you a lot of information, but it isn't until that information goes from their head and into their heart to where they're actually able to make a difference in other people's lives. And so that's why we want to answer these questions, and, and we want you to see how important it is there. And we find, I believe, the statement or the intent of God in this next passage of Scripture that's there on our screen for you, and it's Ephesians 1, 17 and 19, and this is what he desires for us, all right? So let's read it together if we would. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for, uh, uh, for Christians. And oh, say oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Who trust him here? 
Does anyone here trust him? All right. Endless energy, boundless strength. That's what we want, right? Amen. And we talked about some of the attributes, about how he knows everything, right? He knows everything. God knows everything about you. When, when life is challenging, he knows about it, all right? When life is going great, he knows about it. He knows, and, and, and you shouldn't let the enemy come in and try to stir up and say, well, if he, if he knows everything, then why isn't he doing more? He knows more than what you know. He can see it all the way to the end, all played out, all right? And he's constantly working for your good because he knows everything about you, both in the past and in the future. And we also said this. We said that we, his power is supposed to be our power, right? Say it with me. His power. My power. That's right. That's the way it's supposed to be. Next, we said this. We said he is where? Here, there, and everywhere, all right? It, you can't go anywhere and be apart from God. And then last week, we said this. We said he is the same and will not change. He is immutable. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. What he did for Elijah, what he did for Moses, what he did for Paul, what he did for Peter, what he did for uh, Rahab. Hello? What he did for those who are outcasts, what he did for the lepers, he wants to do for each and every one of us. Whatever your need is, he desires to, to utilize those things that are happening in your life to point attention to him and his love that he has for all of mankind. And so I want you to know today we're going to talk about this. His grace takes me to great places. Say that with me. His grace takes me to great places. Now, one of the places I know is really good for you to go, right, would be life group. Hello? That's a great place to go. Life groups. Say life groups. And I'm, I've, I've been able to tour around a few of these life groups that are happening after service and before service in different places like that and, and seeing the excitement that's there. And you know what? It's still not too late. You can go to our website. You can go to the, the uh, Church Center app, and you can see where those people are meeting, and you can just drop in and say, you know what? Can I be part of your group? And I promise you this. When you say that, of the, them open groups, all right, they're going to say, come on in, all right? Join with us. Meet with us. Some's meeting on Wednesday night, off-site, and so... Just go ahead and consider how you might get plugged in and be part of that great place. But here today, I want you to know there are some things that are happening in American Christianity, all right, that are always not so great. In the name of Christianity, in other words, there's some, there's some practices that are happening. And I'm going to deal with one particular one uh, in just a moment, all right, and that is this, that Americans are pro at performance, how many of you like to see good performances? Yeah, we do, right? We like to see people who have practiced and showed themselves, or even the Word of God has studied to show yourself approved, all right? A workman who does not need to be ashamed. But we sometimes are so pro at performance that we know nothing about grace. We're so professional at performance. We're so professional at grading people. We have so many different ways that we can look at people and see about the ways that things should be done that we sometimes fail to even recognize the whole matter being played out in grace. You see, we come up with these things in the American work ethic that says you get what you pay for. How many of you ever heard that before? I want some of you to finish some of these lines with me, okay? The moment that you can, just go ahead and finish it out with me. You get what you Okay, I, you, and, and also, you get what you deserve, right? 
There's no such thing as a free lunch. So you know it. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. All right? We make our money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. God helps those You performance-based people, you. We're pros. We know what the expectations are. Many are. I find it interesting that how many people who are in the Christian world want to go out to people who are in the world who don't know Christ, who want to have this litmus test or this hit list, this criteria of what they need to do in order to be Christians. And they all factor around these particular things, these professional performance-oriented statements. You can't expect to get something from God if you don't ever seek him. Now, hold it. Is, is there some elements of that statement that are true? But there's some that are wrong, right? We know the word of God says draw near to him and he will draw near to you, right? Does it mean that, that you could actually have the ability to draw near to him in, a, in an unsaved state? Well, you can, but sometimes people are even without the recognition that they are lost. The Bible says their eyes, they've been blinded and they don't realize the, the unrighteous state in which they're in. And so we need a miracle. We need a miracle that would take place that all the people who are walking around who without Jesus and think that they've got it all together can maybe even answer or be be uh, qualified by some of these statements that are here that says, and it's still not good enough. (laughs) I work hard. I earn it. And guess what? It's still not what saves you. It's still not. You know how difficult it is for someone who is an independent individual to ever get to the point to where they've worked hard for what they've got to get to the point to realize that, guess what? It doesn't matter how hard I've worked. If I've rejected the one who's worked the hardest for me, then I've got nothing. His grace takes me to great places. Psalms 86.15 says this, You, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. Say that with me. You, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. What does grace mean? You see, God gives me what I need. That's what grace is. And we've heard the other acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense, and that's true as well. But grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Because if I got what I deserved, I would get what? Death. I would get death. The Bible said it is God's nature to bless undeserving people. He loves to do it. He loves to bless you. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 16 says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. I'm going to say that reference again because it's not on the screen. It's Isaiah 30, 16. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. It's his pleasure. He, he loves to be gracious. He loves to be unconditional, unlimited, and unending in his grace that he wants to show to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at three different facets of grace and how that grace being made manifest in our lives can help us to make a difference. can make a difference, first of all, in us, but then make a difference in other people's lives. The very first thing is this. His saving grace removes my guilt. 
His saving grace removes my guilt. And some of you are thinking right along the linear path that my mind goes to on a regular basis. How can he remove my guilt? If I committed a crime, if I did something wrong, then there's got to be, I did it. How can I not be guilty for something that I actually did? The guilt that we're talking about here. It's the, the miraculous working power of God to take it away and out of your mind to where you realize that he, the judge, has judged you and he's looked and has not found any evidence to hold you responsible for the sins that you have committed. You're like, what? Yeah, that's exactly what happens in Christ. You see, when you commit sin, as each and every one of us do, We are all guilty. You feel that guilt for a little while. You keep feeling that guilt for a long while if the enemy has his way because he wants to turn it into condemnation. And he wants to make you feel so low and so unworthy and so undeserving. Now, as we are, he uses partial things, partial truths, so that we will not ever think that we can lift up our hand out of the pit of our miry clay and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And he says, that's what I've been waiting for all along. You to let me display my grace in your life. He's gracious. And he wants to remove your guilt. And you were not able to pay the price for your own sins. And so he said, I'm going to send someone who will. And his name is Jesus. And oh, by the way, he happens to be my one and only son. My one and only son. Can you imagine giving up your one and only son? For a people who would not cherish, who would not respect, who would not honor the very act that he has done. With the very few things that he asks us to do. You see, you see, that's what's happening, church. You need to understand this. I, I, I don't want us to feel beat up, but I want us to be in a, the land and the realm of realization today. You see, when you call yourself a follower of God and you're a Christian and you're going after him, and we say that we have no time to communicate with him, we have no means by which to, to, to even be interested in, in broadcasting this message, this news of him all over the place, then we really are saying we are not honoring we're not respecting we're not appreciating the very work that he's done well i know let's make this more a little bit digestible for you we are really saying the other things that are affairs that are happening in our world are much more higher priority because there's not a one of us who would ever answer the question and and say do you mean to make what he has done on the cross seem unappreciated by you and you're like no I've just got all this pressure around me. I've got all this time. I mean, the limitations of time to take care of these things, and I just don't know how I can do it, right? We travel down this road of doing. When all he's saying, really, I don't want you to do a whole lot. I just want you to know that my grace has been given to you to remove your guilt. We're all guilty. Every single one of us are guilty. All have sinned, the word of God says, in Romans 3.23, and falls short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. But here's the deal. When his son, Jesus, paid the price for your sins, God forgot all of those. When you said, Lord, I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. I thank you for what you've done for me. There is no more evidence of your guilt. And don't you think if there's no evidence of your guilt, there shouldn't be any remnant of the guilt that haunts your mind? 
I'm telling you what, when, when you are guilty about something, all right, and, and, and every time you see that person, if you backstab somebody, if you betrayed them in one way or another, and, 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 and you are uh, in relationship with somebody or, or you're at work and something happens and you're not proud of the, of the behavior that you demonstrate, you're kind of ashamed, as long as you remember that shame, you will never be able to treat that person in a free relationship, in a relationship that is life-giving, in a relationship that's enhancing. Instead, you will always have reservations, and you'll always probably be thinking about, I wonder what they think of me. I wonder if they've really have forgiven me. I wonder how a relationship can go from this particular point to this particular point, because certainly they can't look at me and forget it all. But not so with God. For God says, those sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, there is no coming together of those things ever again. He says he wants you to see yourself as guiltless, not guilty. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 in the Good News translation says this. By the death of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God which he gave to us in such large measure. What did he give in large measure? The grace, the grace of God was given to us. You see, you are free. You are free from condemnation. You are free from guilt. You are free from worry. You are free from death. Listen, even if there was no heaven, all right, it would be awesome to become a Christian just if you could be free from guilt. If you could look someone in the eye and say, you know what? I did mess you over. I was wrong. I did say something that was hurtful to you. And, and maybe it's in some of our closest relationships. Children with their parents, parents with their children, with our spouses. Thing, thing. And it's just like, can you imagine how much e better the relationship would be if you can look into their eye and they can look in yours and, and you have no recollection of all the wrongs? Wouldn't that be great? That's the way that God looks at those who come to him. Now tell me that that's not a miracle. And tell me that it's not a miracle when you could go ahead and do that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. If you got a Bible and you don't mind writing in them, circle it. If you got an iPad, pull out that, that, that little thing there that marks it, and you, you just hit the button and circle it. But God's gift. There's nothing to boast of since it is not the result of your own efforts. You can't look back and say, because I did this, this is why God's favor is upon me. It is by God's grace that you've been saved through faith. The point is that salvation is based on God's mercy and not upon your merit. I mean, you ever think about how comical it is when people try to uh, earn their salvation? salvation by sincerity. How many of you know what, what it means to be sincere? Anyone ever been sincere before? Truthful, genuine. You know, there's this airplane pilot, and he sincerely thought that the path before him was, was clear until the mountain showed up right in front of him. You know what I'm saying? And he was sincerely wrong. That's sad, but you know what? It, it, that, that's a devastating effects that could take place. You could be sincere about a lot of things, but if you're sincerely wrong about those things, it has lasting consequences. So salvation by sincerity won't get it done. You can do, make a mistake all the time. You, you can be absolutely convinced of something. 
How about salvation by subtraction? You think if I take this out of my life, or I take that out of my life, the do's and the don'ts and all those things, if I stop doing this, if I don't smoke, cuss, or chew, or run with girls that do? I'm just giving you the old saying. It's the old phraseology, or boys, come on, that's right. Doesn't rhyme as well, but anyway. Just don't do anything. If all the Christian life is a bunch of don'ts, think about who qualifies to be a Christian. Huh? Well, maybe maybe someone in a nursing home, right? Hello? Who can't, you know, and I'm not meaning to be, be, be belittling, but who just really can't do anything wrong. They're just there and they're waiting, right? Everybody who's there could be a candidate in order to be a Christian. Does that make you a Christian by just not doing wrong things? No, it doesn't. How about salvation by... Uh, service. Do good, be nice, participate in communion, help people across the street. Salvation by comparison. Some people travel down that path. You look at yourself, see, now look at that guy over there. He's bad. <laughs> He's bad over there. I don't know who I'm pointing at. Who am I pointing at? Whoever feels that they're bad, they're bad. I look at that person over there, I say, they're bad. I'm not so bad compared to them. Certainly I must be saved. <laughs> I, I hung out there. I'm sorry, Tra- Trayvon. All right. The, th- the fact of the matter is this, and I, and I put it on the screen for you. If you could save yourself, the cross is a waste. You need to, you need to, you need to write that one down. If you could save yourself, the cross is a waste. You can't do anything to save yourself. Now, I know for all of us who are pros at being Christian, this makes us really nervous because our, pa- our mind travels down the path about pastor. You got to tell them about the concert. You got to tell them how we do need to make effort. Today's a message about the grace. We do. We, we, we need to make an effort, but that effort's going to happen only as you experience the grace. People get it backwards. They put the effort before the grace. You cannot ever perform. You can't ever be a pro-Christian if you base your success level upon your actions. The second aspect of this grace I want to talk about is this. His strengthening grace reshapes my life. It helps me to become the person I really want to be. It molds me. You see, you've heard of it in the Bible where he is the potter and we are the clay. And he has us on this turntable and we're spinning in this lump of clay. And, and you know, and it, as it's being formed by the potter, sometimes there's some things that happen. Some imperfections. And he has to take that clay and he has to clump it all back together again. Put it on the wheel and start all over. You don't have to be afraid of that if you've got God as your potter. You see, in Hebrews 13, 9, it says, Your spiritual strength comes as a gift from God, not from ceremonial rules. You ever notice how a brand new Christian is excited and happy and rejoicing about how great it is to be in love with the Lord? 
They're just walking around. They got to hop in their step, and they're just free and such. And some people just look at them and say, oh, man, someone needs to tell them to get ready for the warfare. <laughs> someone needs to tell them about get ready for the things that are about to come. Pastor, if you don't let them know, they're just walking around. They're not really living in a real world. They're thinking it's going to be like this all the time. You know, what will really help them is if we mature them, and we start to t- work on things that mature them and make them to be just like us, to begin to speak like us, right, act like us. We use the vernacular, all right, that they would, that, 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 that supposedly mature Christians are supposed to be using, right? Think about that. You know, um, we no longer, maybe if a new Christian is a, a new Christian, he, at one point when he becomes mature, he won't say that was fun. He will say, oh, that was a blessing. Come on. Or you never say we're going to eat food. We're going to partake of nourishment. Or we don't get angry anymore. Instead, we say, and I was grieved in my spirit. <laughs> you know you're maturing when you're vernacular, when, you're, when you're, your, your language can start to change, right? How many of you know that that's not the truth? But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Just as you receive Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in him. Oh, us pro-Christians, we're all a little upset right now. <laughs> we're thinking about that. Just as I received him? Don't you know how bad I was? Don't you know all the things that are wrong in my life? But just as you received him, look at that. Continue to live in him. I mean, could this mean that just as I received him with the fervor and the need and the desire and the hunger, continue to live in him with that need and that hunger and such but we add on to this all these other types of applications oh you need to change this way you talk and such i mean how many of you heard of kanye west oh (laughs) just a, a, a a guy that hasn't had much influence in a culture or society in which we live wrong right You may not listen to his music. You may not care for it at all. Hopefully you didn't listen to his music a lot. But but I mean, you know, maybe at least aware of him. Egocentric. I mean, he was he was out there. And today he's doing something in the world underneath the banner of the cross that still has a lot of people wondering, is this the real deal? Well, I don't know if he's mature enough in order to be in charge. I don't know if he's speaking the right way. Did you hear some of the lyrics that was upon that album that he released when it says, Jesus is king? Did you see some of those people that he's still associating with? Pastor, aren't you a little concerned that he's going to give Christianity a bad name? Could he fall? Just like you and me. What's he need to be, have around him? He needs the grace of God around him. He needs people to be lifting him up. We professional Christians have been doing so much for so long to try to make sure that nobody brings a, 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 a bad mark or a, bl- a black mark upon us that, 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 that some people will be confused, that we don't realize we become the very confusing thing for them. When we whisper about the things that need to change for people. Listen, there are some things that that are correct. I'm telling you what, modesty is important, all right? 
and it's tough. Everybody, but 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 when I, when I say that, I'm, I I I know I'm dabbling here, so I got I got to move on because I got, don't have much time here. But I'm telling you what, it's 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 not our job, all right, to go and to be the clothes inspectors, right? But pastor, you don't realize, I, you know, someone is, uh, they're dressing in that way, and that just, that just makes me stumble. Don't they realize it makes other people stumble? I, I, I do, do realize that, all right? And we're going to have standards. But you understand, we've got to let the Holy Spirit show people those things, all right? We, we, we suck it up a little bit, and we just say, hey, listen, we build relationship with individuals so that when they actually are wondering why it is, that we do what we do, we choose to wear what we wear, say what we say and all those things, that it makes sense to them. It isn't just because they're trying to become just like us, us professional Christians. Just as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, continue to live in him. The last thing is this. His sustaining grace removes my hurt. We're talking about the characteristics of his grace, right? Saving grace strengthening grace, and finally sustaining grace. Anybody ever been hurt in here before from somebody? Raise your hand. I want to see how, how common that denominator is. Raise your hand if someone's ever hurt you. Okay, look at that. A lot of hurt. But the sustaining grace of God relieves and removes my hurt. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is all you need. You could circle that one. My grace is all you need. In other words, what do we say grace was? God giving to you what you need, right? My grace is all you need, for my power is strongest when you are weak. God says, I'm going to give you grace. Grace is what you need to keep on going. And, and it's, it's important for us to realize that, right? I mean, later on in the, in the scriptures in Hebrews, he says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive grace to help us in our time of need. Let us, right, approach the throne of grace. I mean, you could have used any other types of things, but what the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was writing is let us understand this characteristics of Christ, which of God, which is grace. He knows exactly what gift to be able to give to us when we have need of it. You see, there was this issue that was going on here in this particular text that I just read and, and where it says that my grace is all you need for my power is strongest when you're weak. And that is this. He says he had this thorn in his flesh. There's been great theological debate about whether or not it was a spiritual thorn or whether it was a physical thorn. The fact of the matter is, is it was uncomfortable for him. And he says to God, the God who is the provider and the source for everything that he has need of in life, you certainly have the ability to remove this from me. I've heard that whatever I ask in your name, it shall be done. And therefore I'm asking, let this thorn be taken from my flesh. And the Bible says, and you can read it there in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and you can see where it says that he asked for three times for this to be removed, and then each time the Lord says, uh-uh, I'm not going to remove it. You're just like, what? Some of you need to say, what? 
You ask the Lord to do something in your life. You've asked for this pain to be gone. You've asked for this hurt, this memory, all these things to be done away with. And you want it to be gone right now. And he says, listen, it's only when you realize that my grace is sufficient for you. When you realize that in your wickedness, in your hurt, in your pain, when you were helpless to help yourself, when you were dead in your transgressions, that's when I helped you. My grace gave that to you. When you realize the grace that you that I've given to you is, is, is what changed your life, you also realize it could change your hurts. The grace could change your hurts. You acknowledge it. You recognize it. You say, listen, I've got this hurt. I've got this pain. It's real. But God says, and I've got this supply of grace. Oh, that never runs dry. And I want to give it to you. I'm going to help you out. Why? Because I believe this next statement is true. Go ahead. We learn much more through pain than we do through pleasure. You can tell a young kid who's unfamiliar with a hot stove over and over again, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. And usually they won't believe you until they experience it. But they learn real quick. We've been told the things of not to do over and over again. That's a steep hill. You surely you, you sure you want to try that? <laughs> yeah, we want to try it. Been told to walk, don't run. How many times have you told the little one to walk, don't run, so you don't get hurt? And within seconds when they take off, they flop on their face and they're crying. And you know what? Everything changes after that, does it not? You are having occasion to look back upon and say, remember this? Remember the grace? Well, you know, the grace is when you come back in and you lift them up. The grace is uh, you keep on saying over and over again, I told you so. I told you, where you, are you are you dense? Are you an imbecile? What's wrong with you? Are you ignorant? Why don't you listen to me? I mean, if you really love me, then you do everything I said whenever I said it. Is that how you want to be graded in your love relationship with God? No. Through gifts, we embrace and we grace. Praise team, why don't you come up here if you would, please. I want you to know something today. He's going to help you out. He's going to help you. When you get that, when you understand in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your hurt, that he plans to help you out, then nothing is going to be able to devastate your life. You don't and you cannot and should not say, I can handle it. I'm going to get it done by myself. Instead, you need to understand that you need the grace of God in your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 from the Phillips translation says this. Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace of God. For if you do, there can spring up in you a bitter spirit which can poison the lives of many others. Don't reject the grace. When you try to handle the hurts by yourself and on your own, all of a sudden you become more bitter. You become more uh, uh, animated. And God's looking at you and saying, remember my grace is sufficient. The grace that I extended to you when you weren't deserving. Rely back upon the grace. Don't try to get through the pain so much. What are you learning through this? How is it that you're going to let me teach you something through this 
sometimes some of the most beneficial things for us is for us to remember the very key that can help us all, and that is found in James chapter 4, verse 7. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Once you receive grace, and once you continue to experience it on a regular basis, there's something that changes, that transitions in our lives. Grace is that undeserving gift. You certainly didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve life. So when life happens, and as I was listening to one of the radio there, there was a teacher, he's just saying, listen, you need to understand, it does rain on the just and on the unjust. Whoever told you that because you become a Christian that all the pain and suffering is going to go away, they were not telling you the truth. You're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering. And you're going to want it gone very soon. But what you need to remember is that you don't have to walk through the pain by yourself. God is there to help you through it. And some of you know that you've made it through things that there is no way humanly possible you would have ever made it through it to keep your mind, to keep your strength, to keep your walk with him. You know that it wouldn't have happened except by the grace of God. It is a miracle that grace was manifest in your life in that moment in time. He helped you not to be bitter. He helped you to forgive. Some of you are struggling with some of these things for other people. You're struggling with forgiveness. You're struggling with hurt because every moment you think of that person and you think of what they've done to you, all you can think about is how when they get theirs. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to carry out revenge, but God, I know that you're going to do it, and I'm looking forward to the day in which you do it. <laughs> how about instead we say, oh, but by the grace of God. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Compared to somebody else, I'm no better than them. It really doesn't even matter. The thing I understand is that he saves me by his grace. He strengthens me by his grace. And guess what? He sustains me by his grace. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful that you've given to us an opportunity to gather. God, to hear about your grace. You said, Lord, that you want us to know you more personally. That's what we're, we're, we're unpacking here, God. And, and I believe that this, this matter of grace is absolutely essential in order for us to be able to know you personally. How grace has been manifest in our lives and how we manifest it within the lives of others. So come, I pray right now, to any person that's in this place that needs grace to be made manifest. And show yourself true. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're in here today. And you say, Pastor, I have been trying my best and failing over and over again. And I am so miserable. I am so ashamed. And I want that shame to be done away with. I want that guilt to be gone. Will you pray with me that that guilt will be gone? If that's you, would you lift up your hand in this place today? I just got to get rid of that guilt.
I got to get rid of that. This may happen when you just say, I receive you, Jesus. It may happen if you've already said, I receive you, Jesus. But it may happen right now as something's happening in your heart and in your mind. And you're realizing, oh, this is what it's about. You really believe the word of God that says he forgets those things as if you never did them. Oh, right now, healing's coming to you. Healing's coming to you. Guilt be gone. Guilt be done away with. You've seen these hands that went up, and these individuals are saying, yes, I receive. I receive the grace of God in my life. <laughs> some of you are going through some things right now. You can put your hands down, but you're, you're like, I need a strength. I need a strength to get through. I'm going to combo these ones up. I, I need a strength to help to sustain me. Anyone here today, you need some strength right now. You need some strength. You need some sustenance. You need, you need him, the Holy Spirit, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace to come in and strengthen and sustain you for what's going on in your life right now, to take away the hurt, to help you to walk through the midst. God, you see these hands. <laughs> you can put them down. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I believe that if you're serious about this with God, I'm actually going to pray the prayer. And if you agree with it, all I want you to do in that still small voice or in that way is just say yes to him. Lord Jesus, we come here and we gather together in your name. We recognize what a price it is that you paid, that you offered by giving up your son upon the cross. Jesus, we recognize the sacrifice that you paid when you gave your life for my sins. And I... I'm so grateful for the grace that was shown to me. And I today receive you as my Lord and Savior. I want you to take over. I want you to rule and reign in my life today. If that's you, if you've prayed that prayer, you agree with that statement that I just said, would you lift up your hand in this place? Where are you at? Yes, 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 all across this place. Some who were longtime Christians, you just come in agreement and say, yeah, that's me. Some of you for the very first time. Some of you making recommitments. He has a plan for your life. When you came in today, you received a bulletin. You could put your hand down. And in that bulletin was a connection card. And, and if you want help in taking the next step and walking and growing in the Lord, we want to help you. If you would please indicate by marking upon that card I'm interested. I need help. Whatever it is, you write on there. There's, there's places there. I'm interested in knowing more about Jesus. And we'll contact you and help you in this particular path. We're here to pray for you, too. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, you know, to come on up. But I, I want to make it as easy as possible. We have material for you. There's, these now what books. If, if you say, what's the next steps? I have these. It's right up here upon this seat. You just come up and you pick them up. And uh, we're going to be able to help you walk with, in your walk out with that.